Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It is a joy to be with all of you this morning. And uh, as we continue in worship, I want to thank Michelle for leading us in prayer. And it is Mother's Day. And with that, I hope all of y'all got a flower on the way in. A generous uh, giver made that possible for everyone to receive a flower. So if you didn't on your way out, I invite you to receive a flower on your way out from worship today. Um, But I, I came across a social media post that I think reflects myself. And perhaps all of us that are grown children in the in the room today, and so I'm going to invite uh, them to put this on the screen, and, and maybe y'all will confess this with me. Mom, I'm sorry for all the dumb stuff I did when I was a kid. If it helps, you only know about half of it. That's about right, isn't it? That's about right. Uh, uh, Kristen and I uh, we did a pretty dumb thing yesterday. We went hiking off course, and we had to use our phone to find the car to get back to the car. So uh, anyway, we, we we still do things as grown kids, right? But needless to say, all, all laughing aside, this is a day. Mother's Day is a day that has all kinds of emotions with it, right? There, this is a day to celebrate in many ways. This is also a day in which there's grieving and mourning the loss of a mother. There are those that are struggling today because of strife or strain that's in a relationship between a parent and a child. And, and then there's are those that are anticipating We've got the Dunbars over here, and they're expecting for the first time what it's like to be a mother. And praise be to God for that later this summer. You see, there's a whole range of emotions today on this day that we call Mother's Day. But know this. God is with all of us. God is for all of us. And God wants to comfort us and speak to us today. Amen? Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but um, my family is not perfect. I imagine yours isn't either. We as a faith community are not perfect. Can I get an amen on that? But we strive to seek after the one who is perfect. Amen? Jesus Christ. And, and, and so I want to welcome those of you that may be joining the first time today, tuning in for the first time today, and want you to know that you're always welcome to join with us as we strive to share in hope, live with purpose for the sake of others. Amen? Amen. Speaking of sharing hope, that's what we've been reflecting over the last few weeks. After Jesus rose from the dead, Easter ain't over, right? Easter's a way of living. And every time that Jesus showed up before he ascended into heaven, when he showed up to his disciples, he had a common message. You remember what that is? Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell the good news. And, and Apostle Paul got this, and he lived this, and he made a tremendous impact on countless lives, planting churches, proclaiming the good news, writing the letters that we have in the, in the New Testament portion of our Bible. And in a profound way, he made a tremendous impact. He was unashamed everywhere he went, even though they tried to silence him. He went and shared the good news because it was too good to keep to himself. Amen? And, and, and we started last week on what I believe, and this is this bias, Andy here, perhaps the best chapter ever written, Romans 8. Those of you that are part of the men's group that, that joins us Saturday morning, you know that we spent about, what, 13 weeks on Romans 8? We're kind of slow. But it's, it's, it's got to be the best. I think it's the best. It's one of my favorite. Why? Because if you look at chapter 8, it begins with this, no condemnation. And it ends with no separation. No condemnation is where it opens, and it ends with no separation. Now think about that condemnation and separation aren't those things that we struggle with 
aren't those things that we struggle with in life? I, I don't know about you, but I've been the brunt of being condemned. I've been guilty of condemning others. I'll be honest. Can we be honest this morning? Yeah, and, and, and when someone's not condemning us, we do a pretty good job of self-condemning ourselves. Any of y'all self-condemnators, if you will? And then on the other end of it, there's no separation. How many of us struggle with this sense of isolation or separation? Uh, anybody deal with FOMO here? Y'all know what that is? Fear of missing out? You know, it's real, right? We deal with this sense of separation. We don't want to be separated. And in the midst of this, this chapter, Paul articulates that in Christ, life in Christ, there is no condemnation, there's no separation. Praise be to God. That's why I think it's the best chapter he ever wrote. And that's why he's unashamed of the gospel is because he's able to articulate that so beautifully. And Pastor Ann began to unpack that for us last week. She talked about a new position we have in Christ, that is a being, no, no condemnation, right? And then she went on to talk about there's also this thing called new life. No more life in the flesh. No more have it my way, but have it your way, God. And we walk in life in the spirit. Well, today I want us to speak to another aspect that Paul unpacks in this chapter, and that's the new relationship we can have in him and through him because of Jesus Christ. Amen? So turn with me to Romans 8 again, and we're going to turn to chapter 12, I mean verse 12, and read verse 12 through 17 this morning. Hear God's words. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Merciful Father, I thank you. I'm humbled by you. I give you praise this morning for the chance to gather together. God, there's a million other places we could be, but we chose to be here. And I believe it's because you desire to speak to us. So God, I pray that whatever we brought in the door with us, whatever's on our minds, whatever's troubling our hearts today, God, that you would meet us in that moment, meet us in that need. And in these moments, as we meditate upon your word, God, that you would open our ears and open our eyes, beginning with mine, to deeper reality of what it has to say to us about you, and more importantly, may there be a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in here to speak to our hearts so that we might be forever changed today. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, I I don't believe that it's a coincidence that this day, on, on Mother's Day of all days, we end up on this part of Paul's letter 
a part where we talk about adoption in the family. You know, I have a dear friend that says, you know, it's not coincidence, it's God winks. And I truly believe because this months ago we had we had laid out on our heart, Anna and I had it on our hearts to 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 use Romans eight to lead us up to Pentecost. And and here we are, we didn't even realize at the time that we would be at this place in the letter on this day, on Mother's Day. But you see, no doubt family matters to God, does it not? It matters to God. From the very beginning, what do we see? From, from the creation of Adam and Eve, what did he call the first couple to do? Y'all remember? Go and do the hippity-dippity, right? Go and procreate. Go co-create with God, right? The, the construct of family was introduced from the very beginning of creation. It's the first thing that God called husband and wife into was to, to, to procreate, to, to bless the earth through the context of family. And from that very beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation, what we find over and over again is the significance and the importance of feeling connected and being a part of a family. Now, at the same time, the one thing I really like about Scripture is it doesn't gloss over the negative and the brokenness that many of us perhaps have experienced even in the context of our own earthly families. I think all of us can experience that we have struggled in some way in some shape because of our family upbringing but nonetheless jesus jesus if you recall on those hours on the cross some of the last things that he said on the cross show us and reveal to us how important family is because it was upon the cross that he looked to his mother and said mother this is your son to john the disciple and then to john he said son or john take her to be your mother you see, family matters to God. And Jesus knew that it mattered to us. And so even his dying breath, he made sure that his mother would have a son and likewise a son would have a mother to care for. You see, family matters to God. And it matters to us. I, I, let me see if I can get an amen on this. Family can be a source of tremendous joy. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, we just saw belly buttons running around in here earlier today, right, Beth? I mean, Eleanor's trying to show her belly button. I figured I better not show mine, but needless to say, Eleanor's running around here. Belly it is a source of tremendous joy. But we also know that family can also be a place of tremendous heartache, too. Just last week in here, there was a group of people talking, and, and one of the individuals asked another one about, how's your family? How's your parents doing? And, and they didn't know, but this person responded and said, well, I really don't fully know because I haven't talked to them in a while. They've been estranged for a number of years. And, and the reality is, is that that's not just their story. That's countless stories of people that have experienced some kind of brokenness or separation in family. In fact, most of us at one point or another, maybe even today, you're experiencing that in your own family. You see, there's all kinds of things that get in, in between us, right? Not just sports, right? My dad's an avid Bulldog fan. I'm an avid Auburn Tiger, Right? But, but there's things far deeper that get between us, right? There's misgivings. There's, there's this understanding of pride or hurt feelings that get between us and family members. You know, and, and, and unfortunately and sadly for some, neglect and even abuse comes between us and family members. And if that's your experience, know that safe boundaries are absolutely necessary and vital to a healthy going forward for you.
But you see, these misunderstandings, these hurt feelings, the result of a life lived in the flesh, whether by us or by someone else, the result is the same. It's, the result is a compromised relationship. You know, there's a three-letter word that, that we don't like to talk about. That's the source of it all. Do you know what it is? Sin. You know, what was it the church lady said on, on Saturday Night Live? Go ahead, Wes. He won't even say it, right? Sinners. Sin. Sin separates. It gets between us. And as we reflected last week, it's in those times in which we indulge in the flesh. We choose to have it our way rather than God's way. That we discover our relationships are compromised, fractured sometimes. We go on and live something less than what God desires for us in terms of our relationship with one another. You see, sin sometimes get between us, and, and sometimes the impact on our relationships goes beyond days and weeks to even a lifetime. And dare I say, sometimes we experience multi-generational brokenness in our families because of sin. But the reality is that sin doesn't just get between us, does it? Sin gets between us and God, the one who created us, the one that desires to be in a relationship with you and I, the one that we see chasing after us from Genesis to Revelation, manifests himself in the flesh through Christ Jesus, desires to be with you and me in relationship with us. And yet the same thing that gets between us and one another is the same thing that gets between us and God. It's our sin, it's our selfishness, our bent toward that or that of others projected toward us that gets in the way of our relationship with God. And this getting between us and God goes all the way back to the garden. Back to Adam and Eve. And y'all have heard me say this before. They chose to be like God rather than be with God. And if we're honest today, we tend to think and act in the same ways today. And if it was left to us, <laughs> well, we'd probably be estranged from God forever. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. But God, but God, there is good news for us today. The good news that Paul's unashamed to share, that faith in Christ, that a life in the Spirit not only means no more condemnation, but it also means restoration between us and the one that created us, God Almighty. And he does it through adopting us into his family. You see, when we place our faith in Christ, we not only begin to live differently, we begin to relate differently. We begin to relate to God, not as a servant, not as a guest or even an orphan, but rather we begin to relate to God as a child, as a son, as a daughter. Think about that for a moment. And a spirit-filled life allows us to approach God the way that Jesus approached God the Father. You remember how he addressed God the Father? Abba. Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. An intimate, trusting relationship between Jesus and God the Father is what we can have when we allow the Spirit of God to operate in our lives and in our relationship with God. You see, the Spirit of life, living a life of the Spirit, grants us the assurance that beyond a shadow of a doubt that we belong to God and that He will never leave us nor forsake us. That we are a true child of his. I love the way that John puts it. John, the one that he told Mary, said, hey, this is your son now. 
and, and John, take her to be your mother. He wrote this in his gospel account. In, in John chapter 1, we find this. After acknowledging that some people that Jesus revealed himself to, he would, they would reject. Those that believed in Jesus, he says this. He says, and to all who did receive him, that is Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now listen to this. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, we all come into this world through natural ways. But through a supernatural, divine way, we are born of God and we are born into God's family. And Paul picks this up in in this reading today. In verse 15, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And he go on to say, and the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Paul really took this to heart. In fact, woven throughout nearly every letter, he has this idea of family and the sense of being redeemed and restored and back into the relationship with God. Listen to how he put it in Galatia, the church, to the, the letter that he wrote to those in Galatia. In, in chapter 3, verse 26, we find this. So in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And you go on to write this in 4.6. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. An heir. Now, how many of y'all have ever inherited something from a loved one? Some of us have, right? You see, when we become children, we become heirs. Paul wrote it this way in, in what we read. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, when we become children, in, in the right way, in, 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 the, in the right sense, we become heirs. We become inheritors of God's promises, of his goodness, of his blessing, of his desire to walk with us. We begin to inherit that because of being called his son and his daughter. I love the way that he speaks to it in Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, he writes this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. You see, we've already been given a deposit. When you begin to walk in life in the Spirit, when you begin to open ourselves up, when we begin to say, allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, we begin to receive a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, giving us an assurance that we belong, that we're part of the family, that we're part of God's family. In other words, we begin to recognize that we're reunited with God. So how is this all possible? How is this made possible? Well, I love the language that Paul uses here, and it's several other places in Scripture, and it's that message in that word of adoption. Adoption. Any of y'all ever been adopted in here? Any of y'all adopted someone in here? 
All right, we got a couple people I know that have adopted someone. They could probably speak to this a whole lot better than I could. But let me give you four things that I take out of this as it relates to adoption that I think will help us better appreciate what God does for us and what he wants to do through us by adopting you and me. And the first thing is, is that adoption's costly. Adoption's costly. And not just financially, but emotionally and with time. Adoption costs a lot of us to adopt a son or daughter into our families. Those of you that have been a part of that would know that or experience that. Even fostering is the same way, right, Penny? (laughs) But in adoption, it's, it's a costly thing, but God's cost is infinitely more than anything that we could invest in adoption of someone. Infinitely more. Listen to what Paul points out in Galatians chapter 4 again. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, in order for us to be reconciled with God, God had to deal with the price, with the penalty of our sin. And y'all know other places in Scripture says the wages of sin is what? Y'all, y'all really dearth. That's, that's like a dirge in here. Death, right? Yeah, that's the way it feels, right? And God, in his lavish grace, took that penalty upon himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus freely chose to lay down his life so that we might have life anew with God, our creator with the God who loves us, with the God that wants to restore us, with the God that wants to lay claim to you and call you his son, to call you his daughter, his beloved. You see, adoption's costly, isn't it? And in the case of God, it's infinitely more than we could ever imagine. And yet he chose that because he chooses you and he chooses me. The second thing is that adoption is unconditional and irrevocable. Let me say that again. Adoption is unconditional and irrevocable. You see, for those of us that ever entered into adoption, know full well that you go into it knowing that that kid is your forever kid. Can I get an amen to that? Those of you that have adopted a kid, that's your forever kid. You don't ever go into this thinking it's like a sweater that you go to the store and you buy and you hold on the receipt and 28 days later you try to decide to return it before the end of the 30 days, right? No. It's irrevocable. You choose. You go into this knowing that you're going to adopt that kid and that kid's going to forever be your kid. And likewise, it's unconditional. Because did the kid have any say in the adoption? It's always the parent choosing the child. The the child didn't have to perform, didn't have to to get all A's, didn't have to, to look their best or to do this in order for you to choose to adopt them, those of you who've gone through that. And for those of you that have ever been adopted, you know that someone unconditionally chose you to adopt you, to take you in. And therein lies, I think, the thing that, that we struggle with most. And, and that is a, a sense of self-doubt. Any of y'all ever live with self-doubt or, or, or question your worth? You know, all of us have been rejected in one way or another in life. And some of us deal with that in different ways. But in that sense of rejection, in that sense of hurt that we've experienced at some point in our life, we can come to believe in lies like this. I'm accepted as long as I don't mess up. Any of y'all ever believe that or bought into that lie? I'm accepted as long as I don't mess up. 
You see, that's a distorted understanding of God's love for you and for me. And it comes out of the brokenness in our own lives and the brokenness in our own relationships where someone perhaps has projected that onto you. Somehow you have to act a certain way. You, you have to say certain things. You have to do certain things in order to be accepted. And God's love is an unconditional love. He chose to adopt us. What is it that Paul says earlier? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't have to get our stuff right before God said, I'm going to lay down my life for you. He said, no, I'm going to lay down my life for you, and then in walking with me, I'll help you walk into the ways in which will bring joy to your life. Ways of my ways. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Adoption's costly, but adoption is also unconditional and it's irrevocable. Here's a third thing. Adoption involves a legal change of status. You once were out, you're now in. You once were an orphan, now you're not. Maybe you thought of yourself as a servant or a slave, but now you're a son or daughter. It is a legal status change. If you've adopted someone, they have taken on your name. They have become part of the family. They are legally part of the family. And as such, they also are blessed with the inheritance that you might bestow upon them. Now, I'm sorry, Claire, but we are not rich, so you ain't going to inherit a whole lot financially from us. Maybe some of y'all are like that, too. But but needless to say, you inherit my humor. I'm sorry about that, too. But that's, you know, a whole other story. But needless to say, that's, that's the beauty is, is this legal status that you belong. It's part of the family. And, and, and you receive just like any other child in the family because you're legally part of that family. You receive the blessing that God wants to bestow upon you. It's a legal change. But fourthly, and perhaps more importantly, is adoption involves receiving an everlasting love. More than the legal status where where God wants you to know legally, he lays claim to you that you are my beloved. You are my daughter. You are my son. He wants us and desires us to receive his everlasting love for us. And experience that in the context of being a part of his family in a relational sense. It's what Paul's articulating in the grand arc of this chapter. No condemnation and no separation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's what he's wanting us to recognize here. I love what he wrote earlier in chapter 5. If, if when you finish reading chapter 8, jump back and read chapter 5. In fact, read the whole letter of Romans. It's amazing. It's an amazing letter. But in chapter 5, he puts this. He says, God offers to pour forth his love. His love. Not your understanding of love, but his love. Not your conditional sense of love, but his love. Into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You see, it's when we open ourselves up and allow the Holy Spirit to move. We're reminded, as Paul wrote in verse 16, that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, we come to a place where we begin to know that we know that we know that we know that we belong unconditionally. You know, John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist movement, and, and all the different expressions of Methodism that you see today, what we lay claim to in our roots, you probably don't realize this, but do you know that he doubted his salvation? He doubted his relationship with God well beyond even being ordained as a pastor. In the Anglican Church. He questioned his assurance. 
He questioned his acceptance. No different than perhaps some of us question our acceptance. You know, Peter Bowler was a Moravian, and, and, and Peter Bowler told him, said, fake it till you make it. <laughs> Maybe some of us are faking it till we make it in here. But I got news for you. There is a day coming for you if you'll be open, just like it was for John Wesley when his heart was strangely warmed. And he knew that he knew that he knew that he was forgiven, that he was redeemed, that he belonged that he was a son of the Most High and forever changed the rest of his life and the impact he's had and continues to have through those of us that call ourselves Methodists. Praise be to God for how the Holy Spirit moved in a man like John Wesley and continues to speak into our lives today. You see, adoption is at the heart of the gospel. Adoption is at the heart of what God wants us to realize is that despite our having choose to step out of that relationship, going back to the fall, back in Genesis 3, despite that, he chooses us and he wants to redeem us. He wants to adopt us and to put us properly back in line with him and as a family. And here's the deal. When we begin to grasp this reality, it will change you. It will change me. It will change us. We will think, we will speak, we will act differently. Why? Because we begin to walk a life in the Spirit rather than a life in the flesh. We begin to let go of those things that are less than life-giving and step forward into the joy that God has for us and live in the ways that He desires for us that brings joy and purpose and not just life here and now, but life forevermore. That's at the heart of the gospel. When we begin to grasp this and we begin to live in that way, guess what? People take notice and guess what they begin to ask? I want what you got. (laughs) And what you have is nothing short of the gospel that Jesus said, go and share. Nothing less than what changed Saul to Paul. And he was unashamed of going and sharing with anyone and everyone that he encountered. That's what we're being called to do. So no matter what your relationship is with your earthly family, I know there's a lot of brittleness and brokenness even within this room in families. Know this. God loves you. He's redeemed you. He's bought you with a price, a great price. He wants you to know that in Him there is no condemnation. In Him there is no separation. In him, there is no spirit of fear. (laughs) There is a spirit of adoption. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his beloved. If you don't know that this morning, if you want that this morning, reach out to someone else here that's already walking in their walk with Jesus. They don't have it all together either, I guarantee you. I don't have it all together. None of us do. Can I get an amen to that? But talk to someone. Allow them to share how Jesus has begun to transform their life and the relationships around them. And and walk into that. Reach out to me and and, and let's talk about that. Y'all, 10 o'clock next week, we're going to baptize an 11-year-old that wants to say yes to Jesus on the front lawn. And I hope that you'll come early so we celebrate the adoption into the family formally. 
through the baptism waters and the spirit that's going to flow in this place next week. It's going to be an amazing opportunity. Come, see that for yourself. But for those of us that are already walking in that, have already begun to, to grapple at least up here, if not here, or maybe here, but we don't have it here yet, i leave you with this twin challenge. And the first is this. How might you live and love differently knowing of God's love for you, that God chose to adopt you? How might you live and love differently knowing that he said, I choose you? And the second is this. Who might you reach out to? Who is the Holy Spirit prompting you to invite into the family of God? We all know someone that is searching for hope, that is crying out, that is searching in all the different places that they can find, but have yet to find the truth that they are loved by God who created them. And I believe when we pause long enough that the Holy Spirit puts someone in your mind, image in your mind, or a name on the tip of your tongue, that he's inviting you to go and to share unashamedly of the good news that they too are invited into the family of God. And once you see that image or you hear that name, go and tell. Go and tell. That's the season we're in. The, where the resurrected Jesus Christ is calling each of us simply to go and tell. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? God, you are a good, good father. <laughs> we struggle with that reality sometimes because of earthly experiences in our life that in some ways impede us from getting that or getting to you. But by your grace and by the move of your spirit, we can begin to experience anew that we are daughters and we are sons. God, the self-condemnation or the condemnation of others that we're in the receiving end, Lord, that, that they can make, take no power over us when we begin to walk in your light and in your truth and in your grace. And God, that sense of lack of feeling connected or isolated, Lord, that too is replaced with a deep, profound understanding that we belong. And that you are present. That you desire to walk with us. So God, in the midst of all of the the fickleness and the craziness of our families, Lord, would you speak into our families today and allow us to know that as we walk more closely with you, that it will change the way in which we look to those other relationships. And that you desire to restore and redeem all relationships. But it's not by our power and by our strength or our decision, but by your grace that that will happen if we will yield and seek it and be patient. God, thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for loving us when we think ourselves are unlovable. (laughs) 
Thank you for your grace that reminds us that we belong. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen.